Hey guys, if you're an avid listener of Young and Profiting Podcast, I'd like to personally invite you to Yap Society on Slack. It's a community where listeners network and give us feedback on the show, vote on episode titles, chat live with guests, and share your projects with the group. We'd love to have you. Go to bit.ly slash Yap Society. That's bit.ly slash Yap Society. You can find the link in our show notes. This episode of Yap is sponsored by Fiverr, a marketplace that over 5 million entrepreneurs use to grow their business. I've been using Fiverr for years. In fact, I got the Yap logo made on there, and if you've seen my cool audiograms with animated cartoons, I get those images from Fiverr too. They have affordable services like graphic design, web design, digital marketing, whiteboard explainer videos, programming, video editing, audio editing, and much more. They have over 100,000 talented freelancers to choose from and it's super affordable. Prices just start at $5. If you're interested to give Fiverr a shot, hit the link in our show notes. And if you'd rather learn how to do these types of services on your own, check out Fiverr Learn, a new platform that provides on-demand professional courses from leading experts. They start at just $20, but what you could learn is priceless. Check out the links in our show notes to learn more. You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. I'm your host, Halataha, and today we're speaking with Mark Metri. Mark is a first-generation immigrant from Egypt who showed a great entrepreneurial spirit from an early age. He found success early on, making more money than his parents and over six figures in high school from his Minecraft hobby, despite being socially anxious as well as mentally and physically unhealthy as a teen. Today, Mark is extremely successful, running the super impressive iTunes Top 100 podcast, Humans 2.0, traveling around the world for speaking engagements, and running ViewDream, a digital marketing growth agency focused on virtual reality and mixed reality. In this episode, we'll cover how Mark transformed his life from awkward teen to podcast celebrity, his tips to take podcasts to the next level, and why he treats his life like a video game. Hey, Mark. Welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I've been watching your stuff for a while, and I like to see people grow and get better guests on. And I've seen you upgrade in the game, so it's pretty cool to be here. Likewise, honestly, Mark, I am so impressed with you. You are the most accomplished podcaster I've ever had on the show. You are the only podcaster I look up to. Honestly, you're the only podcaster that I screenshot what you do on LinkedIn and oh, tell gosh. my team, like, why are you doing that? What do we do? <laughs> Let's do this. Or, you know, and I really look up to everything that you're doing and so happy to have you on and can't wait to pick your very smart brain. Thank you. I should probably introduce you to smarter podcasters. <laughs> Stop it. All right. So let's talk about you. Let's start out with how you grew up. From my understanding, you were a very socially anxious kid, very different than what you are today. So tell us about how you grew up, who you were, and then what kind of a person you are now. Yeah, definitely. So I was born in 1997, son of immigrant parents from Egypt that came here just a couple of years before I was born. We really just like live sort of the immigrant hustling lifestyle of like my dad would always be at work and we would just sort of work our way up to different apartment buildings. We moved like 12 different times. And so I remember being in that environment, just having like a happy childhood, just like very simplistic with like my mom and my sister. And, you know, I remember being like really sort of crafty. Like I remember 
because we would always move around. I didn't necessarily settle with like one group of people because Mm. I had that thought in my mind of like, this is just going to be gone. But for me, when I look back at my life and I look back at my story at like the circumstances that really shaped who I am, probably be a few things. Um, So, you know, we grew up in Boston, but we ended up moving out of the city to pretty much like a rural place. We moved to a town, 5,000 people there, very small town. And, you know, I remember every single person in that town, almost like 99% was white. Mm. Everyone was Caucasian, zero diversity. It was maybe like me and like another family that didn't look like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were a few things to that. Racism and bullying definitely being one. And then also, you know, my physical environment, people just literally being different, like visually different. And my brain would tell me like, you know, these people are different. You know, you don't belong here. And on top of that, you know, I had wide variety of health issues from ADHD to different like autoimmune disorders, like asthma, things with the digestive system, things with my skin and sleep, just a wide variety of things. Like I remember going to a doctor's office like every month and they'd be like, hey, Mark, you have this thing and here's this pill that you have to take for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was sort of black and white. In turn, having all these health conditions, just I had no energy. And so from basically third grade, to all the way until high school, I basically just ended up putting myself in like this bubble of just like, go to school, don't talk to anybody, put your head down, do what you gotta do. And in turn, I was not a good student, I didn't have any friends, and I really just lived this pretty sad life. And the way that I coped with that was by going online, playing video games, technology. And so I remember when I was 12 years old, I worked at a pizza store, taking orders from customers, washing the floors, doing the dishes, saved up enough money for that summer, bought a little netbook, like a mini laptop, bought Mm -hmm. a phone. And then once I did that, I was just online all the time, always learning, not always learning. I definitely did a ton of other ridiculous stuff, but you know, it led to some things like I ended up starting a YouTube channel way back, like in 2008 on YouTube, had like 35,000 subscribers, had no idea what the potential of it was. I remember I'd tell people in real life and they'd be like, wait, you make videos on the internet? It was just a completely foreign thing. So you used to play Minecraft on YouTube? Is that what you did? Yeah, so I was really into video games. I love getting better at them. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like the pre-self-development where I could like just enter in this world and just visually see how it would get better. Yeah. Not unrelating that. And so definitely recorded myself playing games. And then eventually that led to me playing Minecraft. Basically what ended up happened was I ended up starting this multiplayer server just so like me and some of my friends could play on it. And what ended up happening is I just started it for fun, didn't start it meaning to be a business. Next thing you know, like seven, eight months later, becomes the world's number one Minecraft server. Wow. We have like millions of people on our website, hundreds That's of thousands incredible. joining in. I started making like six figures from age 15, Shh. going previously from like living in the projects and living on food stamps to all of a sudden having this and it completely shifted my view not in a good sense though and like what I mean by that is like a lot of people hear this part of my journey like oh damn bro you must have like figured it out yeah no I literally just randomly stumbled into this and in turn what happened was you know my unconscious narrative at that time because I didn't think of it myself was sort of like the American dream of you go to school, you get good grades, you graduate, you go to college, you get a degree, you work at some corporation, you work your way up to like a six-figure salary, and then you like 
get married, buy a house, get a dog, have kids, and then all your problems go away. And mm -hmm. so like, that was the narrative that I was working on. And then all of a sudden, when I made that money and I now had access to all these things, I quickly realized, I was like, wait, life hasn't changed. Like I still think of myself as a loser. Like literally nothing has changed. If anything, it actually made me more confused because mm. now I'm growing up and I'm making way more money than my parents and anybody else, mostly for the most part, growing up around me. Just completely shifted, didn't know what to do with it. I don't really think I had depression my entire life, but that was a slow onset because it really just came from mental confusion. This was like 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. So what was the turning point that got you to a place where you were able to start a business and have the confidence to build a YouTube channel? What was that turning point as a young teenager? Because that takes a lot of guts to go out and do that because especially if you were getting picked on and things like that. Definitely. So the funny part about it is I sucked at so many different things, right? Like I sucked at school. I didn't get good grades. I sucked when it came to my social life. I never played sports. So like I sucked physically. I really, in my mind, I sucked at everything mm -hmm. except for video games. And so that was like my outlet in which I didn't even consider it a part of a world, but just like this other thing that I could get into and go into. And the craziest part about it is like, I remember being online and being on YouTube and then just on top of that, like I have completely lost track of like all the websites and like apps and games that I made like growing up in that time. But it was so crazy because the internet wasn't really that relevant in mm -hmm. our society, even though I am a young guy and it was slowly just starting to become that. And so like I was like slowly watching this thing yeah. become real and I'm like, damn, like I gotta get on this. But it was not like a clear picture. It was just something I really just stumbled into as sort of an outlet. Yeah. So how did your parents react when you were 15 years old making more money than they were? Yeah. So honestly, when I think of my parents and I think of their relationship with technology, like just imagine going to a new country, not knowing the language and not even having like a cell phone. Right. And so I can't even imagine that, let alone to have them say like, oh, yeah, I'm basically pressing buttons and I'm making money. That's basically the equivalent of it. And I remember my parents at first, they were like mad sketched out because they're like, what, like what, are you selling drugs or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> but I remember they talked about it with some of their friends and they're like, what this kid is doing is pretty crazy. I've never heard this. And just let him sort of do his own thing as long as he's continuing through school, which I totally punted yeah. throughout my entire life to really focus on this. But it was pretty interesting. But they're proud of me. Yeah, that's incredible. Do you still do Minecraft at all in any capacity? No. Why did you stop? So the Minecraft server literally shut down last year in 2018. When I graduated high school, went off to college. That's like a whole crazy time where I really just trying to find myself. And I was trying to figure out all these ideas and all these beliefs and like, who am I? What should I do in the world? And it got to that point where I was just literally so confused. I couldn't keep up with any kind of responsibilities or duties or roles like in 2015. And the Minecraft server was literally something that I just took for granted. And so that mm -hmm. like slowly went away and I had ended up giving it to somebody who was second in command. I was like, yo, dude, I'm out. It's yours. It's own it. But then eventually they stepped down. So yeah. So what makes you so entrepreneurial? I know that right now you have an AR and VR company. What do you think makes you have that spirit? Yeah, so if you've heard of this company called Bulletproof Coffee, putting butter in your coffee. So I interviewed that guy, Dave Asprey. Mm. And he basically told me he was at like a mastermind once and they asked him the same question. Why are you guys all entrepreneurial? 
almost all of them got bullied in school. <laughs> and so I think that's definitely part of it. And honestly, I was just talking to somebody about this before. And just for reference, we're at like a LinkedIn networking event. And what I did and what I figured out is I did this whole entrepreneurship to get into my own sort of self-discovery program. And it was just the thing that I did the same way that somebody whose dad was really into baseball told his son to get into baseball and like that's his thing, that's how he dealt with life. I dealt with life with entrepreneurship and honestly, I never even knew what that word was until I was 19 years old and I was being interviewed by the Huffington Post and the guy who was interviewing me was like, yeah, so you know, you're know, you an entrepreneur and I'm like, wait, what? What does that even mean? So it was mad awkward, but I don't even consider myself an entrepreneur, but that's just sort of like a catch-all phrase for yeah. somebody who's trying to get out there in the world to do their own thing. So I definitely think it was from that. And I definitely think it was through seeing my parents struggle and grind. And for the first part of my life, living in uncertainty and just yeah. being used to like, what kind of action can I do rather than just like sit down and not do anything? Yeah. So you have a podcast, obviously. Humans 2.0, super popular podcast. You have great guests. What made you start this podcast? Yeah. So when I look at the timeline of my life, I look at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, it was like my version of rock bottom where I was suicidal. I was over 200 pounds, eventually ended up slowly sorting that out. And by the end of 2016, that's when I had started my business. That's when I had like really sort of got on this track to figure myself out, understand what real success is outside of a paycheck. Yeah. And for me, starting that business was a conquest in the sense of I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was a way I could put myself in a system that was bigger than me, right? In a mm -hmm. system where I could like wake up every morning and say, you know, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. to do these kinds of habits and routines because, you know, at 9 a.m. I have these clients and I have these people I got to take care of. Yeah. And so the podcast kind of came from like a similar thought. And I began to toy with the idea of it in like the middle of 2017. Mm -hmm. And it was really when I had like just been on this journey and I was in a really, really rough patch. And the journey is rough, especially for people starting out, but it's, it's very fulfilling. And so I was just at a time where I just didn't really know how to make money off my business. I was having all different kinds of problems with just real life, like my psychology, different kinds of relationships and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so I remember one of the greatest ways you can learn anything is to have a direct one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody who mm -hmm. really has been doing it. Like they don't just write about it. They don't just read about it on the internet. They actually do it and they're out there. They're practitioners. And so I was like, what could I create to sort of get those people in my life all the time? And so the podcast was the most straightforward answer to that and throwback. When I started my YouTube channel, some other YouTuber reached out to me like in 2010. He's like, yo, bro, you want to start a podcast? So we started a podcast oh. for an episode and then we never even put it <laughs> up. But the podcast really just came from me trying to develop my own life, trying to just grow my own life yeah, and knowing that networking direct experiences is really the best way. Yeah, we're very similar in that way. Like for me, I started a podcast because I wanted to interview people that I could directly learn from. And basically I get to learn a new topic every week. So it's definitely such a fulfilling and educational thing to do. So good for your health, I think. Definitely. Another thing is like, imagine trying to do that without having a podcast. I know. Unless you're some kind of like really successful CEO or something. Mm -hmm. When I started the podcast, I was 20 at that time. Imagine getting an email from a 20 year old being like, 
yo, New York Times bestselling author, can I pick your brain? Exactly. For Nobody would Nobody ever do Nobody says it. yes. Nobody exactly. wants to have a cup of coffee with you. Right, exactly. <laughs> but if you have something to offer them and an audience, then they might, you know, come on Mutually your show. Value. So yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the most fulfilling things about doing this. So let's talk about your amazing growth mindset. I've heard in the past that you enjoy pain. And this is in relation to <laughs> growth. Podcast? My very good friend, Jordan Paris. I listened to that podcast and you said you enjoy pain. So I, I'd like you to share that with yeah, me. So I'm not like a sadist or anything <laughs> like that. So first off, I'm definitely human in the sense of like, I have insecurities, I have fears. I sometimes try to run away from pain and I don't like it and, and things of that nature. But also growing up the way that I did and being locked almost in like my own mind for like almost a decade, I slowly begin to realize the importance of just enduring something, feeling that pain so that your mind almost is, depending on your perspective, of course, because there's a lot of people who do go through the pain, but they never end up coming out. Mm. That end up shifting their perspective and using that pain as sort of a way to build their mind. And I know today, like there's no way I could possibly be doing what I'm doing, like speaking and podcasting and all this stuff without going through a ton of social anxiety and, and without going through literally every single day, my brain telling me you're a loser, stop talking. You shouldn't talk to these people versus now being on a stage and talking to people. And my brain still sort of operates in that same way. But because I've seen this happen so often, I'm now able to be like, I literally don't care what anybody thinks about me mm -hmm. or what my brain is telling me people thinks about me because there's a big, big difference. And so yeah. it's just a massive grower. And, you know, obviously I'm still human. Sometimes I try to run away from it, but I know like in the long term, it's good. And like I read this quote and it's like a bad day for the ego is a great day for the soul. And it's basically like when you go through hard times, it's going to suck, but you've just got to realize this is just part of reality. This is just yep. part of existence. There's ups and downs and those downs are going to bring you up if you're able to shift your perspective and really use it to grow totally. rather than be like, oh, you know, this thing sucks or that thing or like what I hear a lot of people my age in like this complain and blame culture. But mm -hmm. yeah. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. 
But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cool. And then I know a way that I think you deal with the pain is by saying that you treat it as if you're in a video game. (laughs) So tell us about that concept. Yeah, sure. So I'm very glad I don't have like, you know, like reality dissociation or anything like that. But (laughs) for me, it was just like, since video games was really a main outlet for me growing up, it's so relatable to real life in the sense of like, you go through a level and you're going and you might make it, but then the boss of that level comes and he just destroys you. And then you're like, all right, try again. And then you do that, Mm -hmm. try again, try again, try again, try again, try again. And so 
that's like a massive analogy or, or model that I just, you know, really live my life. Yeah. And, and like on top of that, when I use that analogy specifically with like younger people, they like begin to get their life in the sense of like you're playing a video game. And if it's like an RPG or something, you make a character and then you try to grow him or her throughout the level and you try to like get a better jacket, you try to get a better sword, you try to like do that. But then it's like, wait, all this growth is being directed towards a video game. Mm -hmm. But if you step back and you actually realize that real life is way better than a video game, like until full immersive VR comes out. Yeah. Yeah real life is way better than a video game. Like you can't eat an apple in a video game. And so I found that analogy to be really powerful for people that are not yet there on the growth mindset that are just sort of stuck in video games and also relating it just like keep on going and going and going. I love that. You're encouraging people to be self-aware, to step outside of themselves and to view themselves as if they were in a video game. And I think that's really good advice because sometimes you're unable to see the situation for what it is when you're actually in it. Yeah, for sure. And people play video games. So it's like you kind of have like that perspective. Yeah. So let's talk about the podcast. We've interviewed a lot of the same guests. So Gretchen Rubin, Naveen Jane, Stephen Kotler, David Meltzer. Is there anybody who stands out? Who was your favorite interview so far? Yeah. So the first time I got a chance to interview Naveen Jane was in August of last year. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was July or August. And that was also a time where my podcast was beginning to really grow. And in August, it hit like the top 100. But when I interviewed Naveen, like I just got a completely different vibe and like we did it virtually, but I literally could not stop smiling throughout the rest of the mm -hmm. day. He's so great. And he's so great. He's such a visionary. And on top of that, he also told me about his healthcare company, Viome, with the whole gut microbiome thing. People should definitely check that out. I did that, completely changed my life, completely changed my health. And he was just somebody I always kept in contact with that always just sort of pushed me to think better, to do better. And I remember after that interview on that day, it was August 5th, 2018. I was literally like, dude, I'm like, I'm literally going to try to like change the world. Like I'm going to go for like my <laughs> moonshot of like trying to do that. And like he really helped me make a moonshot. And then when I got to visit him in Seattle, I just got to actually meet him and I have no words to really talk about it. And the last thing I'll say is that the way that he talks and the information that he gives you that is sort of up in the air, but then he also gives you practical things. I think it's super powerful. And I've honestly had people that have listened to that episode for like the first one we did was 45 minutes. The second one did was like an hour and a little bit uh -huh. that were like, dude, that literally completely changed my outlook. Like that completely changed my mindset, knowing like what the future is going and how that relates to human consciousness completely changed my life. And so shout out to Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain is awesome. He's magnetic. Like he's yeah. got such energy. He's such a genuine, humble guy. Like for being a billionaire, you couldn't be more humble. It was such a pleasure to interview him. So let's talk about how you are able to to make friends in big places and how you were able to make a billionaire who probably doesn't have a lot of time take the time out to basically be your mentor because I see him as your mentor the way that 100%. you guys interact yeah. yeah we chat all the time and the crazy part is he had me on his podcast he interviewed <laughs> me on his show and I was just oh my like God. <laughs> what's going on and honestly here's what I would say I used to view my podcast in a very black and white way meaning like I'm going to interview this guy or gal and we're going to post the interview and we're going to like market it on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and we're going to get it out there. People are going to listen to people are going to be like, oh my God, so awesome. So impactful. That's great. That's awesome. But honestly, it wasn't until I had on somebody very, very up there, very out there in the media, come on my podcast. And 
I try not to schedule my podcast like late at night, but basically he was like emailing me and he was like, it's going to be late again, like an hour. And he kept on pushing it. And so we ended up doing it that night. And on the podcast, we talked a lot about growing a hustle, also like mental health, things along that nature. He ended up crying in the middle of that oh podcast, gosh. just talking about so a lot of things happened in his life recently. And literally like two months later, he sends me a text and he's like, yo, can we hop on the phone real quick? And so I chatted and he was like, dude, when we recorded that podcast, I was in such a dark spot and like, and it was a pretty long podcast. It was like an hour, hour, 10 minutes. Yeah. He was like, that was literally the greatest form of therapy for me to sort of let go and talk about and just digest things and really just process things. And he was like, dude, I literally owe you everything. And then on top of that, he also invited me to this event that he ran, which literally had like other speakers that were like crazy amount of mm-hmm. totally influential people. And when that happened, that just like completely reshifted the way that I thought about the podcast, and the way that I think about relationships and the yeah. way that I think about just people in general. And honestly, Naveen Jain is not the only mentor that I have that is a billionaire. I have other mentors of mine mm-hmm. that are billionaires that obviously it's not like I can pay them money. Like it's not like I can give them money and you know help them or even when it comes to business because they're way better at that. But there are so many intangible things that if you look at a person holistically, that they can benefit from you. And like this other example, not Naveen Jain, he's also a billionaire. He's like in the middle of helping me like totally grow my business, do all this crazy stuff all for free and and all this stuff. And he was like, I literally see the younger version of myself in you and I almost like miss that side and that's why I want to be in connection with you. So it's like if you're only looking at it from like the networking or the marketing or whatever perspective you have, but you don't view people as holistic humans. I don't know. Ever since I began to really try to like move and live with this philosophy that I'm telling you now, the podcast, I don't even view it as a show anymore. I just view it as like really an excuse to get me in front of people but not really necessarily like in a superficial way either and so that is massive viewing people holistically totally so is the podcast something that you envision yourself doing forever i definitely think i'm going to do it forever but here's the thing i don't consider myself a podcaster even though it's in my linkedin bio like top whatever podcast I don't really consider myself as a podcaster because like literally what podcasts are is you and I are just having a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that is we're not just having a conversation that me, you and four other people can see right now, (laughs) but we're also taking this and we're scaling this, right? So like depending on how many downloads your podcast gets, you could be scaling that with like 30,000 people. Yeah. And so that's something that's never been possible before in human history. And I think podcasting is honestly plays a big role in like this massive evolution of human consciousness that we're seeing, right? Because just the way that media in general has been represented has changed so rapidly, right? People used to know people for being on TV for like 10 minute segments, 15 minute segments. But then now it's like you can have, for example, the Joe Rogan podcast, like a two hour podcast where you can sit down with somebody. It's not regulated. It's not filtered. Mm-hmm. People could say whatever they want. They could talk about long, complex ideas yep. and you can articulate feelings and beliefs and stories with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at that and you look at, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast has more viewers than all of mainstream media combined. Like 
that's massive. So I want to be a part of that, but I don't just want to be known for like this person that just talks to people. Totally. So my research assistant, Shiv, he found out that you have a podcast acceleration program. Yes. Do you still have that? Yeah, I do. Tell me about that. Sure. So this all sort of started like when my podcast hit the top 100 list, people just began to reach out and be like, yo, bro, how do I do this? How do I not just start a podcast, but for people that already have podcasts, like how do I take it to the next level? And so that something slowly became something I just ended up helping people with. I mean, it's totally changed. Now I'm like helping Fortune 500 executives start their own podcast for their company and so many different things. And then also helping like small time business owners that don't have like a massive team grow to be like the top 20 in their list. And then all of a sudden creating a massive business on that. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, I just agree with podcasting as I've seen in my own life of not just being a massive accelerator for like growth, mindset, learning, all the things we talked about, but also like business, like getting awareness and things like that. And if you do it right, you can really use podcasting, LinkedIn, your business to be literally like a death star of attention, of getting people to look at your stuff, to do what you want from a business product service standpoint. Yeah. So your podcast was ranked number 98, right? Out of all podcasts in the world. Sounds right. About right, right? How do you get to the top charts? Like what's your secret sauce? Yeah, so this is it. It's all about ratings, it's all about reviews, and it's all about the frequency of them. Yeah, so it's not really about like if your show has a thousand ratings or 2000 ratings, it's about what is the speed in which people review your podcast and that brings you up. On top of that, it's also about your episode. So my podcast hit that on the list because I had like a line of big hitters of people on my podcast. And on top of that, I ended up having somebody on my podcast that doesn't really do podcasts. Mm. That's like a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Who's that? Eric Davis. Him and I did a podcast episode and that ended up being in the top podcast episodes. So that episode got over like 100,000 downloads, something crazy like that. When that happened, that like propelled the entire show up. Wow, that's so interesting. I had no idea that the rate of reviews is what gets you ranked. That makes a a lot of sense because my podcast always spikes whenever I do like a contest for reviews. <laughs> but you would think downloads would matter. Downloads don't matter at all. I mean, honestly, I have no idea. Like, this is just what I've gotten from data. I don't talk to like Tim Cook or anything. Not that he would probably know either because he's doing way bigger things. But this is just data that I've gotten. But honestly, a point that I say is I don't even think it's about having a big podcast. I know people who have a thousand listeners on their show or 2,000 listeners, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things, yeah. that have like a super dedicated community who make like a six-figure living off of their community and what they do and adding value and get like really high-paying sponsorships on top of that. Mm -hmm. Not because of the numbers, but just because of the audience, the person, his connection. It's not the best thing. And honestly, it's like everybody has a top 100 podcast these days. So yeah. it's like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So would you encourage somebody who's thinking about starting a podcast to start one or do you think that it's too saturated? Yeah. So, I mean, I literally posted this on my LinkedIn Instagram today and I said, this is literally the title of the post, why you should start a podcast even if you have no idea what you're doing. And basically what I said is that when I first started, when I was about to start and I began to talk to other podcasters that I knew before I started the podcast and they would tell me like, yeah, you can, but it's super crowded, super saturated. And this is back in 2017. Yeah. So like, you've got to do it in this way. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. Basically what I realized is it's all crap. And what I say is 
view the podcast as a tool, not necessarily, you know, a means to an end, but really something that you can use just for your own personal growth in a learning aspect. I think everybody in the world should start a podcast for that sole reason, even if they like can't talk on a microphone or they're not a people person or they're not like a radio host mentality. So I think everybody should start a podcast from that perspective if they view it as like a lifelong learning tool but not for somebody who's like yo i'm trying to like be the next joe rogan be the next joe rogan or like do like a crazy marketing spree with my business so we're gonna launch a podcast for like three months and see what happens that's not gonna work the end game of podcasting is how long you do it for yeah and i also think it's the effort that you put into it if you put out a quality show like you'll get listeners there's billions of people in the world there's going to be people who want to listen to your specific show i'm always encouraging people to start podcasts because even though there's so many out there I still think that there's enough room for everyone definitely and what I would say on top of that is there's 8 billion people in the world and that number is poised to grow exponentially over the next decade and honestly all 8 billion people have a different perspective on life based on their own unique experiences based on their past their present their mindset their psychology their trauma whatever whatever and what I began to discover is when I first started my podcast, I thought that exact same thing. Like, why would anybody listen to me when I was listening to Tim Ferriss and Gary Vee and Joe Rogan and they were giving me so much helpful information. So it's like, what could I possibly give? Mm -hmm. But what I began to slowly realize is not everybody's going to vibe with Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee and Joe totally. Rogan. And everybody's individual 8 billion perspective is going to find a different perspective to go with. And not all perspectives out there in the world have been out. I'm like, I'm so excited to see what happens in terms of podcasting over like the next decade when the bottom 2 billion people unbanked in the world from like Africa and India and, and those places gain access to exponential technology and they start forming podcasts and we get to get to take a look at what is actually going on there on their side of the world. Mm -hmm. How are they living? And so, yeah, I totally agree. Podcasting is so cool. Like it's such a new space. We have no idea where it's going. It's a really fun story back to what you were saying about, you know, not everybody's going to relate to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. One of our listeners, Daniel, he came to this event. So for everybody listening, we're here at LinkedIn Global in New Jersey. And I was able to give out some free tickets to my listeners. So one of my listeners from Chicago, Daniel, flew all the way out from Chicago to this event. Yeah. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. <laughs> and he came up to me and he was like, Hala, you're the only podcast I listen to. You know, I used to listen to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan, but like, I don't even like their shit anymore. Like, all I want to do is listen to your stuff. And I was like, wow, that's, awesome. that's incredible. <laughs> Good for you. So let's talk about your new company. Tell us about the AR and VR company, Voo Dreams. Tell us about that company. Yeah. So honestly, it's a long story and it took so many different forms, but really how it started was, again, this goes back to like my own personal sort of transformation. A big part of what I realized is why I was depressed, why I was suicidal, why I was anxious is... I didn't have a compelling future to look forward to. I bought into the propaganda of the stock market. The economy is going to crash. We're going to have a great depression. There's like cops shooting people in the street. There's like mass shooters everywhere. Everyone's in debt, like student loan debt. And like, there's a lot of problems, of course. And, but I just sort of fell into like that doom and gloom and like fell into like that dystopia of people saying like, oh, dude, technology and social media and all this stuff. 
And that in turn formed like a really terrible future view. And I even remember like Naveen Jain telling me this of like, if people don't have hope for tomorrow, they start doing things they normally wouldn't do. That's how you start having like suicide bombers and all this kinds of stuff. And so for me, a big part of it was just like looking into the future. And since I had sort of seen like the evolution of the internet, I was like, okay, technology is definitely going to play a massive part of this. And so... I mean, honestly, like I remember I was at this college party. This was at a time where I was learning between like these two different paths. I wasn't totally Mark Matry version Mm 2.0 and I was still sort of like in the screwing around phase. Yeah. And I remember being at this party and I just like remember being like, what I had learned, I had just started meditating at that time too. I couldn't be in the room. It was sort of like the veil was lifted of like the common BS that I was seeing on an everyday basis. And I just began to see people as these mechanical puppets that were doing the same thing, whether it was drinking or smoking or whatever that was. I had like this moment with myself and I was just like, holy crap. I sensed like this moment of silence where I was like, I could either stay here and do the same thing I've always done or I could literally get out of here and do something different. And so literally I ran out of that party, ran back to my apartment building. This was like some kind of epiphany for me. I remember crying. I remember going into my dorm room, closing the door and just like pulling out my notebook and just like literally staying up all night and doing research on different exponential technologies and finding which industry I could put myself in that wasn't super developed enough that it was like, too late, even though I just debunked that. <laughs> um, but then also like early enough to be like, I can get in here and be a leader. And so for me, that was just discovering virtual reality and augmented reality. And in the sense of this, the big theory is this. So every single thing that we do today that we interact with the digital world is going to be replaced by mixed reality. And it's like this. Instead of you holding your phone and you know looking at notes or somebody else looking at the time or somebody even trying to do a podcast interview, the future is it's not going to be us looking down at these different colored LED lights that show us different colors that emit somebody's picture on social media. The future of that is our realities are going to be mixed. It's going to be merged in the sense of in the future, we could do a podcast interview with both of us at home wearing like VR headsets and I could see you right then and there. And you begin to play out the implications of that. I mean, it's gonna completely change the world. And there are already people using it today. I know Boston, where I'm from, like a lot of hospitals there are using them. For autistic kids, a lot of people are saying that VR is a more effective painkiller than morphine because you put yourself in this virtual world, depending on the game, you disassociate yourself from your physical body. And for people that are in a lot of chronic pain, it could be really useful. And it literally just has, like I could go on and on about uses, but I was basically like, I need to get started in this industry right away. The business took on like so many different things. I had no idea what it was doing, but eventually we got to that point where we were like, what could we do today that is sustainable that is going to help our industry grow without trying to invest a ton of money in like R&D to try to like create a virtual reality headset or something like that, which the biggest tech companies in the world are already doing with their billions of dollars. And so we were like, what could we do to sort of help this industry? And I've been marketing for the past decade. So we were like, how can we help companies specifically in AR and VR talk about something that doesn't really exist in the real world? That's not really reality. So Hey, App Fam, starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, 
subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full-time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago. And now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. And that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. That's what we do and our future plans are actually like develop legitimate VR and AR apps for the specific use case of expanding consciousness and also mental health. And an example of that is like, have you ever heard of this phenomenon called the astronaut overview effect? No. Okay. So this is cool because I actually interviewed the guy who coined this term and basically (laughs) the first time when astronauts went up to space and, and after that they looked down at the earth and they sort of saw where they came and they didn't see any borders. They didn't see like any people hating each other. And they just sort of like saw like this collective homeland. And all of a sudden, when the human mind looks at something, it's home when it's not really supposed to look at like the earth, like the brain is never supposed to leave the orbit. Like this is something totally artificial in technology. What happens is it completely reshifts your perspective of what's possible similar to somebody having a traumatic experience in one way. And so the idea of it is like, what if we can make an application that could put people in these kinds of environments and have life-changing experiences without even having them? And so that's the future plan super far away because just the industry is not there yet. And I mean, I could talk on and on about it, but it's an area that 
is going to be massive in our world is, you know, basically like social media, email, all this stuff. This is going to be the real estate of us living in a future mixed reality world where there's not going to be a difference between digital or real life. And it's just going to be like, what do I want to do? Who do I want to talk to? No longer bound by the limits of geography, time, money. That's going to be life. And there's massive implications to that on positive and negative sides. And it's just going to be a crazy time. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Mark, in my opinion, you are not just a podcaster. You are a futurist. You are a total futurist. Yeah, 100%. Like your brain works in a different way. So let's close this out with the title of your podcast is called Humans 2.0 staying on this similar theme of the future, tell us about how you think humanity is going to evolve over time. So this is what I think is going to happen. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know the exact order of it, but it's like, you know, you've got to have, you know, some kind of shelter. You've got to have food. You've got to be completing your basic necessities. And then you've got to have some kind of sense of security. And then that's when you can start to think about like self-esteem and, and your role in the world. And so what I think is going to start to happen is already what we've seen in like the Western part of the world is like, if you are born in America or some other developed country, you are basically starting off with those two, three things already done. You don't even have to think about those, right? You don't have to hunt. You can just buy something off Uber Eats. And what I think the future is, is I think as we begin to get everybody in that state, we are going to see like massive exponential change. And, you know, if you look at, for example like the educational system and the way that it teaches people. It is still running off of this model of getting basic people's needs met with like teaching you how to get a job and how to function in society so you can make money to get these things. When these things become defaulted by society, I think we are going to see really like people who are being helped in a way than none other before. And if we can complete these two layers, then we can start to actually focus on the important stuff of like self-actualization and, and how do you think about yourself in the yeah. world and your potential. And when that happens and we begin to come out with better tools to help people's mental health, we're going to get in a state of exponential technology where it's not just like, you know, literally yesterday I was reading, they just invented this device that enables people that have Alzheimer's to get their brainwaves back, which is literally crazy because there's over a million people that have that in America. And that's like the saddest thing I could possibly imagine. And so I think what's going to happen is as super talented people are now becoming freed of basic necessities and also of like mental health issues through technology and just through communication and through media and through us, you know, growing and talking to each other and removing the stigma. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to get us to a point where we're going to have like groundbreaking inventions like every month and then it's going to be every week and then it's going to be every day and then it's going to be every hour and then it's going to get to that point where humanity is going to be on basically a runaway train that I don't think anybody can predict of us really focusing in on the important things that we're going to have to completely think about. And I think it's going to completely change our existence. I think we're not really going to be like humans anymore. I think we're going to completely have to update as a species. Everybody today walks around with a mini robot and it's like, hey Siri, text my mom this or hey Siri, do this. And it's just like, we could never do that before. And to play out what's going to happen like the next 20 years. I have no idea, but if we take a look at what the biggest tech companies in the world are doing and also like different kinds of cultural societal trends, I think you can sort of, you know, take a picture, but honestly, I don't know, but I think it'll definitely have to do with like 
focusing on the important things, focusing on mental health, because I think that is like the root of everything, of all the problems that we see in the world. Because if, you know, everything that's done is usually done by a decision from somebody, you know, and it's like the person who's made that decision has a brain. And mental health is something that really hasn't been, you know, talked about that often compared to like physical health and like the grand stage of humanity of just like, a hundred years ago, human life was not respected to the degree it was now. And you start to talk about different statistics, like 800,000 people a year commit suicide. You just got to think like, imagine how many of those 800,000 people had like some kind of crazy idea, had some kind of crazy talent that could have changed the lives of millions of people. And it's just like thinking in that way gets me really inspired. So mental health is something I know that you're super passionate about. You're writing a book about it right now. Is that correct? I'm not writing a book specifically about it. Okay. I'm writing a book. It's about not the podcast, but like all the people who I've interviewed on the podcast. Okay. I don't see them anymore now, but like a long time ago when I was a kid, I saw them. Like those adventure novel books yeah. where you would go to a chapter book and you'd be like, yo, if you want to kill Johnny, go to page 56. And if you want to not kill him, go to 59 or something. I want to do one of those but with mindset and how I could create like a guide of really the best people on this planet for their individual expertise and their individual topics and basically give somebody a guidebook and be like, yo, everyone's different. And, you know, not everyone's advice is going to apply to you. But if you take this, it'll provide you the best possible path that is uniquely to you alongside like top class information from the world's greatest people. Wow. So that's what I'm working on. That sounds awesome. When is that going to come out? <sighs> I mean, honestly, I told myself I would start to look for a publisher and start to like really, really write it when I was 250 episodes in. But I'm now at that spot where like I don't really want to because I just want to keep interviewing people and keep growing yeah. the expertise and knowledge because there's so many other people that I want to reach out to. So it's not like a project that I have that's like going to come out like, you don't at the have end like of this a year. deadline. Yeah. No, it's this is like a very long term project that I'm like really, 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 Super really cool work idea, on. Super cool idea, though. I love that idea. Okay, so before we go. I want my listeners to understand how young you are. How old are you? 22. So everybody out there, there's no excuse. <laughs> Listen to how open-minded he is, how he's got such a great growth mindset. There's really no excuse to be anything less. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And honestly, like I was telling somebody else this outside and I was like, dude, literally a 10-year-old DM'd me on Instagram today and sent me a video of him like, taking a picture with like Tony Robbins and David Goggins and he's an author of his own book. So it's just like, you can go as young as you want to, you can go as old as you want yeah. to. At the end of the day, like your mind is going to try to justify whatever excuse, whether that's age or health or whatever, to try to keep you in the same position. And if you're aware of that, then you already have the upper advantage. So I love this conversation. Really happy to have you on the show. Tell everybody where they can go to find out more about you and everything that you do. Yeah, so you know, you can go to my website, markmetry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. You can get links to the podcast. Check out Humans 2.0 anywhere you listen to podcasts. Definitely connect with me on social media. I'm super active. We'll definitely respond to you. Definitely send me a message saying that you came from the Young and Profitable podcast from Hella. And yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, DMs, all work. Great. It was such a pleasure to have you on. You're awesome. You're a great host. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Follow Yap on Instagram at Young and Profiting and check us out at youngandprofiting.com. And now you can chat live with us every single day on Yap Society on Slack. Check out our show notes or youngandprofiting.com for the registration link. <laughs>
You can find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Hala Taha. Big thanks to the Yap team for another successful episode. This week, I'd like to give a special shout out to Tim for all the hard work he's been putting into our upcoming five-week semi-private podcast course, where we'll cover everything you need to know to successfully launch and run a podcast program. Message me at Hala at youngandprofiting.com if you're interested to learn more. We can't wait to get this rolling. This is Hala signing off.